This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Greetings, America. I hope you still have all your fingers, hands, and legs from exploding fireworks. The full number here, 877-973-7425. Delighted to have you with me. My goodness gracious. I hope you had a great 4th of July. Good Independence Day. Listening to all the... the 11. It, it's sad that there are people in this country who, if they don't get what they want, they suddenly hate the country as opposed to loving it for what it is. Uh, the full number again, 877-973-7425. Let us begin, please, with, well, the salacious story of the day. I suspect none of you are surprised to learn they found cocaine at the White House. The only question is, where was Hunter Biden? It doesn't appear to be his, and I'll tell you how I know. So I have been to the White House on a number of occasions, and when you go into the West Wing, you go in through a side door. You don't go in through the main door where the Marine is, typically. Uh, Now, you can, depending on how they arrange it, but typically what happens is you come in through the side door, and even if you do come in through the front door, you're you're led over to the side where there are uh, these boxes, these these secure cubby holes, essentially, and you're assigned one. And you're inside the building, but you're not where you're going to be bothering anybody. You're, it's kind of a, a lobby reception area off to the side. It's wood paneling. You got these wood boxes, and you are required to put your cell phone in one of the boxes. And if I remember right, they give you a little fob. Uh, that can open the box so it's secure, uh, and you keep this little thing with you, and then when you go back, you you put it back in the box, and, and you get your phone. And I, I may be misremembering that. It may not lock, but I think they lock, and they give you like a little key or a little fob that opens the box. But nonetheless, I, I've been there. I, I had uh, lunch several years ago with Vice President Pence in the president's dining room and took my son on a tour uh, once uh, the, the the president was visiting with the Pakistani prime minister and uh, my son at the time, young, was able to run around. It was kind of funny um, there in the Oval Office. You can see the president, the prime minister, and my kid is running around the Rose Garden. Um, <laughs> was not supposed to be, but nonetheless, uh, there we were. I uh, went into the vice president's office and hung out. But uh, I, anyway, so it's this lobby area for visitors. So it's unlikely it's Hunter Biden's cocaine, although I think everyone's first guess was it must be his. But here's what we know. It was in the area where the guests have to drop off their phones. And after you drop off your phone, then you are searched. 
So the odds are it was someone visiting the White House on a tour arranged by someone at the White House, and they threw their cocaine away that was on their person. Now, there's a side note here. Cocaine is a resurgent drug. Uh, When I was a kid in the 80s and you had Miami Vice and stuff, cocaine was the big drug that all the rich people and the bankers use. And I guess for a while it it still has been, but it kind of faded away and it's made this resurgence in the last number of years. And I know a friend who I do not believe is a user. In fact, he, he, he insists that he's not, but he's in a profession where a lot of people are. He's in a finance profession where he knows a lot of people are. He says it's the damnedest thing that he will go to parties and there will be cocaine present when it is just this rich white people basically in the finance industry. He says, and they have fentanyl testing strips. Like they all keep fentanyl testing strips on them because they got to test the cocaine and make sure fentanyl's in it because they don't want to die. There was a story in, I think, the Wall Street Journal about six months ago in New York City. Five different people. Uh, in finance, banking, and law, they died because they were doing cocaine and it had fentanyl in it, and they all got it from the same person. And it's just become this thing. It's a very bizarre uh, thing. The, the resurgence of drugs in this country, there, there's there's got to be a trace to the decline and fall of America. We went through this in the 70s and into the 80s, where you had that period of economic malaise. You had the Carter administration, and everybody just starts doing drugs. And then America rebounds, it's resurgent, it finds itself again with Ronald Reagan, and, and the use of drugs declines, whether you want to attribute it to Nancy Reagan or not, doesn't matter. The use of those hard drugs begins to decline, and, and now they're resurgent again among a particular set of white progressives. Now, that's not to say there aren't conservatives. I'm sure there are conservatives, too. But there is this this white, liberal, upper-income, secular society, Ivy Leaguer, hard-charging. They use cocaine both to to keep themselves in, going in business. I guess it amps you up, uh, makes your heart race. I, I will tell you, so I had a my, – my blood pressure got out of control last year. It was actually kind of funny. My blood pressure got out of control last year. I was not feeling good. My wife's like, well, your face is kind of flushed. Uh, maybe you should take your blood pressure. It was like through the roof insane. Uh, she's like, you got to go to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room, and they start handing me all these pamphlets about cocaine usage. And my blood pressure's like, I promise you can do a drug test. I do not do cocaine. But apparently it's very common for people to show up, particularly white people, to show up at the emergency room with blood pressure through the roof, and it's because they've done cocaine. It's like, I promise, I realize I'm technically in the entertainment industry, but I do not do cocaine. Uh, But it's gotten that common that they hand you these pamphlets when you have high blood pressure and show up at the emergency room. And so here it is at the White House. Someone has gone into the White House on tour, it seems, on tour, it seems. We don't believe it was a staffer. And here's why I would suspect it's not a staffer. Maybe it is a staffer, but it's because of where it was left. White House staffers, this is from the Washington Post, are authorized to give guests tours of the West Wing, which often occur at night and on weekends. Guests are required to go through security screening before entering the White House complex and are then asked to leave their phones and small boxes before entering the West Wing. Officials said the substance was found near those boxes. So I got that wrong. You go through security. Yeah, well, you go through security at the gate, and then you go inside, and you might get another pat-down. You don't get the pat-down outside. You... You walk through the x-ray uh, thing. Guests are shown the ground floor, the first floor of the West Wing. 
They can peek inside the Oval Office, the Cabinet Room, the Roosevelt Room. I, I've done this. Uh, when President Bush was president, this was before they had the boxes for your cell phones. Cell phones really weren't ubiquitous. Is that not wild to think? So back in the, the 2000s, people didn't have cell phones like that. They didn't have iPhones with cameras and stuff. That's the main reason that they locked them up. Back then, you might have had a cell phone, uh, but you probably didn't have great service and you didn't have the cameras and stuff. I'm sure I had a cell phone at the time, but it wasn't an iPhone. When I went to the White House back in, in the 2000s when Bush was there, I went to see Tony Snow, the late, great Tony Snow, and and um, David Almasy worked with him. Got to got to see Tony, who I had known for a while, uh, and got to go into the see the Oval Office. wasn't allowed to set foot in it, uh, but got to see it and stuff. It was a cool tour, but you didn't. You, cell phones weren't that ubiquitous at the time, except the little what the Motorola StarTac phones, and you didn't get those confiscated by the Secret Service at the time. But now everything is confiscated, and someone, I guess, pulled their phone out of their little baggie of cocaine might have fallen out with it. In any event, it shut the White House down. Now, the president and his family were not there. Another reason this probably wasn't Hunter's, although we can joke about it, uh, is the president and his family were at Camp David. The larger issue here to me, however, and, and this is where I get to deviate into the larger issue, are the number of people in elite circles, and let's just be honest here, if you're going into the Biden White House on the weekend when the president's not there, uh, you got staffers and you're carrying cocaine, you're, you're in one of those progressive elite circles. And you are insistent on the rules by which we must conduct society, but you don't actually want to play by the rules. You don't see these people out there advocating cocaine usage. I mean, this is one of the problems with society today is the left lives a lifestyle. They have the means to live that lifestyle and no one else does. The left can be hedonistic, licentious and use drugs, but your average poor to middle-class person who does the same thing is probably going to fall into a pit of squalor and not be able to pull themselves out because they don't have the safety net to pull themselves out. And the left ascribes social policies based on that, uh, the paternalism of the left, the, the uh, licentiousness of the the hedonism on display. The, the upper-income white people taking their kid to drag queen story hour, the poor person just wants to get their kid a basic education to learn how to read. Instead, they got to go be indoctrinated by drag queen story hour on, on whether or not they're a boy or, or a girl as opposed to the ABCs and the one two threes. And so you've got people on the left living a lifestyle, and it is people on the right too. You you should, I'm sure, I guarantee you, there are people who use cocaine. When I was at Fox News, I worked there for five years. I heard more than one story about, about drug use in the building. But it is at an elite level. They live a lifestyle and they see the world through their lifestyle. And they can advocate a hedonistic, licentious, sleep-around culture, drug-use culture when they have millions of dollars or rich mommies and daddies to put them into rehab or subsidize their lifestyle, pay for their abortions, or hand their children off to be adopted. If you're poor middle class, you can't do that. You don't have the means. You don't have the social safety net. And so their solution is not to clean up their lifestyle and recognize it's not a healthy lifestyle. It's to expand the social safety net, uh, make Uncle Sam the surrogate parent to bail everyone out, put them in rehab, and pay for their abortions. 
They don't want to clean up their lifestyle and they can't recognize it doesn't translate well. That's the problem. By the way, I've got the audio if you want to hear it. This is the the hazmat team doing the inspection at the White House. Repeat, I didn't copy your results on the Gemini. Gemini's results are new match found with a red bar. New match found in the library. We'll go ahead and back and come on up. Question Richard has that we have a result on the Gemini. We have a yellow bar stating cocaine, hydrochloride, path number 53-21-4. Now, this is a story, of course, that has made news headlines. Even CBS News couldn't avoid covering this. Surprising discovery at the White House. What was it? A bag of suspicious white powder believed to be cocaine. <laughs> we don't have to play the report on it. Yes! Cocaine at this White House, who'd have thunk it? This White House, of all White Houses, run by a bunch of progressive uh, secularists who view themselves as greater than everyone else, leading licentious, hedonistic lifestyles, expecting the rest of us to be able to go along with it. And um, these are people who live a different, in a different world from you and me. And the problem is they want to set the rules for our world, and they can't even live by the rules in their world. And that ultimately is the cultural rot within this administration spilling over into the real world. They want to set rules for you and me. They want to control our lives. They want to tell us where we can go, when we can go, how we must go, when we must return, where we must return to, what we can and cannot eat, the stoves on which we can cook our food, all of those things. And they don't want to live by any of the existing rules. So why should we respect their policy choices when they don't respect the rule of law at a very basic level. Greetings, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The day after the 4th of July, I hope you got all fingers and toes. The phone number 877-973-7425. As always, you can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get all the links to follow me around social media. Okay, I'm, I, I got a, <laughs> my kid just texted me during commercial break and reminded me uh, that I had to talk about the story. Have you all heard? This is like the ultimate redneck story. <laughs> Two dudes in Arkansas have been arrested for shooting each other. They were wearing bulletproof vests and decided to shoot each other. Uh, let me, let me see if I can find this Arkansas men arrested. Yep. Here we go. This is, this is from the, um, Arkansas, I know this is poor form of me, Arkansas men. Yep. Uh, yeah, here <laughs> they were wearing bulletproof vests after drinking. Of course, Charles Ferris, age 50 and Christopher Hicks, age 36 detained on Monday after the incident. Oh, it looks like it took place on Sunday. A neighbor was alarmed. Uh, deputy with the Benton County Sheriff's Office investigated Ferris. He was admitted to the hospital Sunday night. The man reportedly had a red spot on his upper chest, but tried to concoct an elaborate story. As reported by uh, KFSM-TV, Ferris claimed an asset had paid him $200 for protection. He said the pair met another man around 10 p.m. and it ended up in a gunfight. The 50 50- said he was hit multiple times but returned shots and fled 
Leslie Ferris has a different recollection. That's the man's wife. (laughs) She told police he'd been drinking outside the home with his neighbor when gunfire erupted. When confronted, the husband changed his story. (laughs) Local media says Ferris had been left angry about an injury and unloaded the clip. That's the language they use, unloaded the clip into Hicks, who was wearing the vest. The friend was struck five times in the back. Um, it says Hicks shot him. Uh, he was hit in the chest with a twenty-two caliber rifle, leaving the mark. Uh, they were drinking and playing with a bullet-resistant. Good Lord, this is the most redneck thing ever. Oh, God. No formal charges have been filed. The pair were released on a $5,000 bond. I mean, what's the crime? Aggravated assault uh, is six years in prison, but they don't have formal. Who's going to press the charges? They were shooting each other. (laughs) Wow. Oh, Arkansas, you do not disappoint. Uh, the only thing, I mean, if it was like over a bucket of fried chicken or something would make it probably better. But other than that, I, I don't see how the story can be any better than the story is two drunk dudes deciding to shoot each other in bulletproof vests on 4th of July weekend. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And the wife is the one who, tra- of course, the wife turned him in. <laughs> okay. We got to move on because where I say something, I regret my wife shoots me. Uh, <laughs> Vision computer. Let me tell you about them. They can save me from myself. I know y'all are calling. They they told me the day y'all are calling, and, and people are leaving impressed. Uh, so Jim runs the board, whose voice you uh, rarely hear. Jim has been using them. He's been a customer there for about 30 years. I am hooked on their service because my kid got a gaming PC from Vision Computers, and they have taken care of all of his tech support needs. I haven't had to fix the computer once. You can have the same experience for your house or for your office. Do you own a business and your employees are constantly having computer problems and you're tired of having to fix them or call in an outside person to come fix them? Vision can do it for you. You can get your computers from them. They'll build you what you need and you want, have it upgradable, and they'll be your IT department. Handle email, printer setup, you name it. All you got to do is call them, 404-COMPUTE. Now, listen, it's 404 area code. That means Atlanta, but it doesn't matter. They've got business all over the nation. They help companies everywhere in the U.S. They want to help you or for your home, 404-COMPUTE. You can also go to visioncomputers.com. But if you call them at 404-COMPUTE, ask about the Eric Erickson special. They'll give you a great deal. They can be your IT department. They can build the computers for you, everything you need, 404-COMPUTE. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. You should know in the third hour of the program today, uh, New Jersey, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is going to join me. Yes. Um, Reached out over the weekend, wanted to see if he'd come on the show. We said, sure, we're happy to have all the presidential candidates come on. Uh, I want to talk about, well, (laughs) this is relevant to even some of the the prior uh, conversations we have had here. The just in the last hour, the, the the left wanting to govern the country in ways they don't want to live by. And one of the things they also want to do is to degrade society in the name of saving. There, there's a level of, of benign, uh, poisonous paternalism in a lot of what the left does. I, I want you to listen to a clip that's relevant to this. This is Joy Reid, the dim-witted idiot on MSNBC. 
Well, let, let me just be clear. I got into Harvard only because of affirmative action. I went to a school no one had ever heard of in Denver, Colorado, in a small suburb. I didn't go to Exeter or Andover. Yeah, I didn't right. have college test prep. I just happened to be really nerdy and smart and have really good grades and good SAT scores. Right. But someone came to Denver, Colorado to look for me. A Harvard right. recruiter flew to Denver, and I met up with her at the Village Inn restaurant and did a pre-interview to get to to pull me into Harvard. I wasn't. I was pulled in, and the and the schools like Harvard and Yale that That's I got into affirmatively. Yes. and it was literally not saying we're going to take an unqualified person and put them right. in Harvard. Yes. We're going to take a very qualified person who we would never know existed and put them in Harvard. That's how I got there. That's how Katanji got there. That's how well, Justice Jackson, I should say. Justice Jackson got there. It's how Clarence Thomas got there. So what she's suggesting is not that Harvard went out of their way to recruit people of diverse backgrounds, which they're legally allowed to do with or without affirmative action, but that they targeted her as a black person and she only got there with affirmative action. Essentially, she's arguing that smarter people were let into Harvard or were denied admission to Harvard. And she, not as smart was able to get in because of affirmative action, and she's proud of that. She doesn't view affirmative action as a stigma. She views it as allowing herself to get in somewhere that she otherwise wouldn't have gotten into. Now, she says that if Harvard wants to create a recruiting program where Harvard goes out and finds people of unique backgrounds, they can do that. That's not unconstitutional. It's also not affirmative action. It's trying to build a diverse pool of applicants. If they do it and they, they use percentages for race, that becomes illegal. You can't use race, but you can use uh, life otherwise. What we see here now with the left is, is they're trying to come to terms with the failures of so many of their policies over time, and they can't grapple with the failures of their policies. In the 1960s, Progressives at the time called liberals, remember, liberals go back and forth on whether they want to be called progressives or liberals over time. They wear out their welcome as one, so they change their name to the other. Same thing, although now I use liberals because people are liberal, but they're not wackadoo progressives. There, there does seem to be a difference right now. We're in progressives, and the progressives are marching across America trying to upend society in ways that even liberals aren't necessarily comfortable with. And the latest is the California Reparations Task Force. It calls for, among other things, getting rid of public urination laws. This is uh, Peter Hassan at Fox News. California's reparations task force wants state lawmakers to ban the arrest and prosecution of people who violate laws against public urination and other public disorder offenses. The call to end police enforcement of laws including those that prohibit public urination, is among the official policy recommendations listed in the final report, which contains 40 chapters and runs over 1,000 pages. A significant proportion of law enforcement contact with the public relates to low-level, nonviolent offenses. Thus, for example, law enforcement is frequently tasked with enforcing public disorder offenses such as illegal camping, public intoxication, disorderly conduct, minor trespass, and public urination. Although the subjects of these contacts are often experiencing homelessness, a mental health crisis, or both, the responding officers typically possess neither training nor expertise in working with these vulnerable populations, etc., etc., etc. Just wait. There's more from the New York Post, Brandon Gillespie. 
The California Reparations Task Force is asking Democrat-controlled state legislature to eliminate interest on past due child support as well as any back child support debt for black residents of the state. In the final report released last week, the group claimed discriminatory laws have torn African-American families apart and that one effect of that is the harm caused by the disproportionate amount of African-Americans who are burdened with child support debt. The nearly 1,100-page document states that black Californians represent a larger percentage of those who owe child support debt than their proportion of the state population. It also claimed that 10% interest the state charges on back child support hinders their ability to finance further education, attend job training, find employment, and maintain housing because of the legal consequences of not paying the debt. Well, maybe not have the kid. Maybe take responsibility early on instead of having a bunch of illegitimate kids or breaking up uh, families with like this is this is kind of ridiculous. Okay. Let me explain what's going on here. Starting in the 1960s with the Great Society Lyndon Johnson, the left began an expansive expansive period of government social safety checks. Republicans, by the way, who voted for the Civil Rights Act were complicit in this as well. They wanted to do something to help black families and decided to step in with the government and expand Uncle Sam and essentially give over Uncle Sam's man boob for all of society to to suckle after. And the damage has been great to society. What we have taught generations of Americans now is that you can depend on Uncle Sam and you don't need a man. You can depend on Uncle Sam and you don't need a family. You can depend on Uncle Sam and you don't need a mother or a father. You can depend on Uncle Sam. And a society dependent on government reflects the priorities of that government and the priorities of that government reflects the elite who run the government and the elite in this country are, as I have said, licentious and hedonistic. They have no morals and they have no scruples and the rest of society is polluted because of it. So now, what is the the idea here is that we should stop having police enforce low-level crimes of public urination and public drunkenness and, and street camping and just focus on the big things because we have a collapsed society. We don't have mental hospitals anymore because the left decided we need to get rid of them. So we allow the mentally insane to live on the streets of America, and instead of calling them homeless, we call them unhoused, and we give them tents and call them urban campers. The left refuses to acknowledge their solutions are the ones that caused the problem. And now, instead of dealing with the problem, they wish to eradicate the problem by just saying it's not a problem anymore when it is still a problem. New York City is on the verge of functioning like a third world hellhole. And it used to operate that way in the 1980s. And a man came along named Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani had been a U.S. attorney. He may be insane now, but Rudy Giuliani was once considered America's mayor, not just because of 9-11. He turned around New York City. New York, it was thought, was lawless and ungovernable. It was ungovernable because the people of New York decided to allow it to be ungovernable. And then they finally had enough and they elected Rudy Giuliani, who imposed law and order on that society, including embracing something called the broken window theory of crime. 
Now, since it was successful, the left has done what they could to discredit the broken window theory of crime. They have claimed it did not work. They have claimed it it, uh, rounded up a whole lot of innocent people. They have made all sorts of claims. And the claims you should understand stand in stark contrast to the New York City that Rudy Giuliani forged by doing the broken window theory of crime. Now, what is the broken window theory? It is that when you see a building and that building has a broken window, and that broken window does not get repaired. Over time, what happens is people realize that, well, the house is abandoned. People realize that the house is ripe for criminal elements to move in and set up shop for prostitution, for drugs, for you name it. So you go after the broken window. You go after the broken window. You go after the landlord. You force them to fix up the building. And you do the small crimes. You take all the small crimes and you stop the big crimes from happening. Because if you don't force the guy to fix his broken window, eventually it signals the building is empty and the drug lords move in. And then murders happen. Rape happens. The gangland comes and sets up shop in the empty building. The broken window of theory of crime worked. Now, keep in mind, again, as I've said, the left has spent an inordinate amount of time trying to debunk it because they hate it. Because they they hate it for this reason. It requires aggressive law enforcement, and they claim that it victimizes the black community, that it victimizes non-whites, that, that it drives up incarcerations. It worked. The New York City of today, all the crime they're having, they didn't have it when they used the broken window theory of crime. So let's go back to uh, this one from California. Law enforcement is frequently tasked with enforcing public disorder offenses such as illegal camping, public intoxication, disorderly conduct, minor trespass, and public urination. Minor trespass. Going into the building with a broken window when no one's home. Minor trespass. Public urination. When the police are not out enforcing these minor laws, eventually the bigger laws come in. It's like, for example, so we had an electrician come by our house today. We're we're getting a a spa put in the backyard from uh, my friends at Georgia Spa Company. You're putting in a a hot tub in the backyard. Man, I can't. It comes next week. We had to get some landscaping put in. The electrician came out today, found a six-foot snake in the crawl space of my house. We may burn the house down this afternoon. But why is the snake there? The snake is there because of the chipmunks. The chipmunks came, and so the snakes came. The hawks will come for the snakes. The circle of life will continue. The chipmunks were able to come set up shop because my wife and I have not been pulling out the twenty-two shooting the chipmunks. So the chipmunks come, and they had attract the snakes, the snakes attract the hawks, eventually the hawks get rid of the snakes, having gotten rid of the chipmunks, the hawks go away and the circle of life repeats itself. It's kind of the same thing, the circle of crime. The vagrants come in and they set up urban camping. And then the people come in who are drunk at night from the bars near the urban campers, they start peeing. Well, that whole section of town sounds like it's going to hell in a handbasket. So the drug lords move in, they start selling drugs to the homeless people. And then they start setting up shop in, in the vacant buildings with the broken windows where they know no one's taking care of them. Eventually, you've got a criminal element that's taken root. 
And the best way to get rid of it is you go after the urban campers and you go after the people peeing in the streets, and that signals that law enforcement is present so the drug lords don't show up, the gangbangers don't show up, the murders don't happen in the area. You go after the small stuff, the big stuff never happens. And instead, what the left has decided is we must let the small things happen because we must repent of the overabundance of criminalization in society that has disproportionately targeted certain people based on race, they claim. And the result is urban hellholes. And then what does the left do? Look at what's happened in New York City with the violence in New York City. They say, well, it's just the price of living in the city. This comes with the city. It's like the, the, the what's his name, who died on the subway trying to harass people, the Michael Jackson impersonator. And they're, they're trying to punish the man who saved the passengers on the train from the crazy man because the crazy man sadly died in the process of being restrained. And suddenly it's, what is it, Daniel Pettyman? It's, it's his problem. And what was the response of the left? Well, these things happen on the subway, but they shouldn't. These things should not happen. But the left has decided the price you pay of living in the city is that you got to live in a third world hellhole because we don't want to send poor black men to jail for committing crimes. As opposed to enforcing laws strictly, so that the lawbreakers either don't break the laws or they go elsewhere. The left has made a choice to degrade our cities and decline our society, all in the name of some sort of white guilt. And the rest of us have to pay the price of the white people advocating the positions where they get to stay in their ivory towers and have their chauffeurs and their bellmen and their private jets. The rest of us can't afford it. But we're the ones who have to live with it because of what the left wants. Patriot Mobile is fighting back on this nonsense. They are arming with uh, the weapon of monetization of campaigns, good conservatives around the country to fight back against the left. They advocate policies that are law and order, that support law enforcement, that support the Second Amendment, the first responder, the pro-life cause. All they got to have you do is move your cell phone service to them. You can even take your existing number to them. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. They've got 100% U.S.-based customer service. In fact, if you call them at 972-PATRIOT, tell them I sent you, you get free activation with my name and you get great discounts. If you're a veteran, a first responder, even an NRA member or a teacher, you get discounts with Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. You can see their full coverage map, 5G, data voice. You get it all. They use the same cell towers you're already using, so you get guaranteed great service. It's patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, if you want your business to grow and need access to capital, see if they can help you. They make their own lending decisions. If your lender is giving you a hard time dragging their feet or just doesn't want to bother with helping you, First Liberty might be able to if you're buying a building, building a building, uh, buying a franchise, buying on a business partner. Those are the sorts of things they do. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. They can help any business in the United States, firstlibertyga.com. Now, I got to tell you, last week during the Supreme Court decisions, I referenced a tweet by someone named Erica Marsh, who apparently had been on the Obama team and was lamenting that black people wouldn't be able to get anything done in life without affirmative action. Uh, there's a, a uh, it looks like she was, is a troll, like not a real account, a parody of account. But what's amazing here is that her tweets were echoing what so many people on the left said. How could you know that this woman was a was not a real account when she said so many of the things so many people on the left say. This affirmative action, the left is just not able to deal with this in the 303 creative case. They are bitter and angry, and they're doing 
to the Supreme Court what uh, Trump and his supporters did to the election in, uh, integrity of this country in 2020. They didn't win in 2020. And so they decided to declare it illegitimate, uh, that the election was stolen, et cetera, et cetera. And the left is doing the exact same thing with the Supreme Court. They transactionally cannot get their way with a 6-3 court, so they've declared it illegitimate. The cases are illegitimate. They have slandered the justices of the Supreme Court. The difference is that the CNNs and the MSNBCs, the New York Timeses of the world, would rebuke Trump supporters for their claims about the election in 2020. And this, they're all in on destroying the integrity and trust of the institution because they're on the left, and so they're complicit with the left in destroying these institutions. I want to spend more time on this, but when we come back, we got to talk about Ben and Jerry's. Yesterday, July 4th, you know, July 4th is now the day that the bitter, angry people of the world come out and vent their hatred of the greatest country on the planet. And yesterday, Ben and Jerry's declared that this country was the product of stolen land, and we need to return the land to the natives. They can go first. All these people who want this property, we're standing here on land stolen from indigenous people. This is this is the latest effort to religious uh, bring religion into the left. You know, you have to be creedal now when you're on the left. You have to start your speeches and your events by saying, we recognize that this land is stolen land and belong to the Kumquats and the Kiwis and the Appalachia tribes, and we wish to return them, but we can't. So we apologize and make amends to the Kumquat tribe who slaughtered the Kiwi tribe to take their land, but we pretend that didn't happen. It, it absolutely ridiculousness. We must discuss when we come back. The left is already foaming at me for putting up on Twitter that I make no apologies for conquered land, and we're not giving it back. They're very upset. 877-973-7425. You're listening to Eric Erickson. We'll be back. 